Welcome into the show. I am Jason Aponte, who was usually joined by Leo Luna, and I wanted to make a formal announcement before we get into this episode. Leo is stepping away from the, the podcast to focus on his family, focus on his job, and he just basically said that he would not be able to devote the time that he thought was proper for the content and did not want the content to suffer. We over here at Niners Nation, we support Leo and we wish him nothing but good luck. But I do want to introduce everybody to our new co-host on this unnamed podcast. And if you guys are listening, please make sure that you send in suggestions because Steph and I brainstormed for, I don't know, maybe two minutes and it didn't really go too well. We could use a little bit more uh, suggestions. But Steph Sanchez of the 49K podcast, that's where you guys have probably seen her. You've seen her on KTVU doing big things uh, as a TV show. Personal friend of mine as well, too. Steph, welcome aboard. It's a blast to, to go on this journey with you, even though this podcast doesn't have a name. It's episode one. What's going on, Jay? I'm just so happy to be here, and I love doing podcasts with you. I mean, we got great chemistry, and the people, since this is an audio show, right, you guys can't see that me and Jay are wearing pretty much the exact same shirt. This was unplanned entirely, and this is just the, you know, the level that we're on. We're on the same wavelength. Sometimes you don't have to talk about it. It kind of just all comes together. And for anybody who's listening and not looking, I'm also sitting in my walk-in closet, but that's a whole other story. Um, look, the last time that we were on, Leo and I, afterwards, Christian McCaffrey gets traded to the 49ers, and there's this sense of fun throughout the throughout the fan base. It's now Monday, 7:10 Eastern time. I would say that that fun has completely dissipated after what happened on Sunday. So, Steph, as you know, as everyone who's listening knows, the 49ers lost pretty badly to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, not really many things went right in this game. Coaching, execution, penalties. Sounds like we're doing the same song and dance that we always do. Score ended up 44-23. to 23. The game was close for stretches. The 49ers even had a 10-point lead. Sorry, PTSD. Didn't mean to put that out there, but they did. It's a matter-of-fact thing. Steph, what were some of your big takeaways from this game? Uh, even if, I mean, positive, negative, whatever, because I don't even know how many more positives you can walk away with from this game. I could start with the one positive, right? And then we okay. can go in on the team. Uh, let's start with positive first. I mean, Aaron Banks uh, continues to be an anchor on the offensive line. Uh, but here's where the negative comes in, because unfortunately for Banks, his efforts are kind of going somewhat unnoticed or just, uh, you know, they're the other guys on the line just aren't holding their weight the exact same way. Uh both of the tackles kind of struggled yesterday. Trent Williams, obviously rusty. I mean, we know he's still an all-pro tackle, the best tackle in the league. But when you're coming back from injury and you've missed a few games, that first game back is not always going to be very easy. And so he definitely struggled. Mike McGlinchey as well just looked like he wasn't 100%, right? Like, And he has those – he has some good games, and people hardly ever notice those, right? When he has bad games, they seem to be really bad, right? So that was one of his games, and so unfortunately for the offensive line, it wasn't wasn't so great for them. But altogether, I would just say that this loss was a group effort. You know, uh, unfortunately, both sides of the ball just couldn't get things done. The defense couldn't get off the field on third down, and the offense just couldn't punch it in. You know, when they were in the red zone quite as often as you would have hoped. 
Yeah, and I think that's a great call about Aaron Banks. And and I do think that that falls by the wayside because we're here always discussing the same things over and over after losses, even sometimes after wins. You know, field goals are not going to get it done, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs and that high-powered offense. I do agree with you that Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey and pretty much anybody who was out there from missing a game, Nick Bosa, a lot of those guys were rusty at this point, right? But at the same time, the optimism that I, I felt and many uh, 49er fans felt was, Look at all these reinforcements. Now we're adding in Christian McCaffrey. Like this could be something that would springboard them a little bit. Look, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs is no sin. It's not a sin. Losing in the fashion that the 49ers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs is why so many people are upset. And it just continues to bring up the same questions over and over. Undisciplined play. Uh, not finishing in the red zone. Turnovers. Um, penalties negating large gains or extending drives. This continues to be what this is and last week we talked about well you know you have six week sample size it's a third of the season things have to change immediately now it's week seven and we're still talking about the same thing so i think that's probably the most concerning part one thing i do want to say is there is no shame in saying that unfortunately D'Amico ryan's and kyle shanahan were completely outcoached and outclassed by by steve spagnola and by andy reed like there is it, it's not that there's no shame in it it's just Let's get matter of fact, right? Like, let's just get down to it, right? I mean, Miko Hardman is scoring on the same play that the, they had the whole defense in a blender the entire time. D'Amico Ryans had no answer for what they were trying to do. You know, you get Jimmy Ward back. You get Tyrone Ufanga back. You get Mooney Ward back. You get Nick Bosa back. You start to feel like, okay, everything is starting to take shape, and yet that's what happens. I mean, you knew that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to score points. I don't think that many people would have put them down for 44. So talk to me about the defense. Talk to me about some of the things that you saw, some of the adjustments that maybe they could have made. I mean, because I don't even have the answer to that one, Steph. I'll be honest with you. I like I, I can never tell you what needs to be changed. I can just tell you that there was something else that they should have tried to do. Uh, I'm with you there. I mean, if, if anyone would have had the answer, it would have been D'Amico Ryans, right? But – Obviously, you know, we didn't see enough change from the first half to the second half as far as uh, defensive execution goes. I mean, I saw a lot of missed tackles in that's now the what, second week in a row that, you know, we've seen that with this team. And it's almost like the play is contagious. Like when this defense is on, everyone is on and they kind of feed off of each other. When one guy is playing poorly, a few guys are playing poorly that also gets contagious and you kind of start seeing, you know, Fred Warner missing tackles, Hufunga missing tackles. And it's just like things that we're not used to seeing. And it's kind of, it's just strange to see um, as well. It was, it was interesting that the chiefs were going right at Nick Bosa. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of other teams would avoid Nick Bosa and the chiefs were going right at him. And that was definitely an interesting approach. And I, I wonder if other teams are going to maybe try to do the same thing in the future. Not every team is going to be the Chiefs offense, right? So thankfully, right? But, you know, still that that's something to keep an eye on in, in future games. And yeah, I mean, it's just poor execution, not getting off the field on third downs. I think they only stopped the Chiefs once, right, on third down. And it was the interception, the very first drive. So after that, it was just couldn't get off the field and... We know how that turned out. 
Yeah, unfortunately, even when his defense was at its peak and we were talking about it being better than this year's defense or that year's defense, right? They still had issues getting off the field on third down. I think it was something that kind of went under the rug because of how dominant the defense was. But then when you look at the level of competition, you say, well, that kind of makes sense. You're taking it's funny. The 49ers most impressive win and the best offense that they've shut down. Close your ears, 49ers fans or don't. I need you to listen. The Seattle Seahawks, the first place Seattle Seahawks are actually the best win on the 49ers season and the best team they've beaten. And and that's crazy to believe that at this point. But yeah, like the whole idea of going at Nick Bosa, they use his aggressiveness against him. You're right. Many teams is a copycat league. They're going to look at that and say, man, that's a way to neutralize that guy to go right at him. I mean, Nick Bosa had a sack in this game. He did. Clearly was rusty. But even in the press game, uh, the post game conference, you know, where you, you know, you did your Nick Bosa impression for anybody who doesn't know, Steph does an incredible Nick Bosa impression. I need you guys to check that out immediately. Uh, just, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but uh, they, they, uh, they threw a lot of stuff at me. I need to be ready for he did. He was kind of lost for words. Like, yeah, they did some stuff. I, I've got to be better. Like, n- not really like giving an answer, but knowing that they attacked him. And that's not something he's used to. So, yeah, you know, again, Credit goes to Andy Reid. Credit goes to Patrick Mahomes. My goodness, man. He makes them every single time that you feel like you have him or something like that. And it's just no lead is safe around him. That's why he's one of the best. But third and 20, not getting off the field on a Jerick McKinnon screen. Uh, the, the third and 15 bomb to Marcus Valdez-Scantling just when you close the gap to 28-23. Those are, those are just a microcosm of what goes on. I mean, there was a sequence in this game. That was mind-numbing, and this is our perfect transition into the offense. Again, I think you hit the nail on the head, Steph. Took an entire team to look this, uh, excuse my language, sh- uh, and it's it really took all of them as a unit to play this poorly, right? But this is the most mind-numbing sequence of this game. The 49ers are lined up for another field goal. Spoiler alert, that's what they did many most, most of the game, and... Jalen Moore gets drawn into a false start by just a line shift. Okay, so that turns into a punt for Mitch Wisnowski. Mitch Wisnowski, who many people are giving credit for this knuckle punt, but I don't think that's what happens because if you can make players fumble the football, make them fumble the football every single time you punt, not just whenever you feel like it, Mitch Wisnowski. So it goes up, Sky Moore muffs it, Samuel Womack gets down. It's an instant red zone opportunity, right? You've got four plays from inside, I believe, the thirteen. One play is a one yard to Christian McCaffrey, who actually was one of the lone bright spots bright spots in this game. I thought he was very efficient in his touches. I think that once he gets acclimated, that's going to be very fun. I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying that. And then you get a pass to Debo Samuel and then Jimmy Garoppolo. What are you doing? Why are you throwing that up into no man's land? And there's a lot of criticism right now about play calling. Can I debunk that real fast in this instance? Do it. What happens here is is an issue that's kind of going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. It is Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not here to argue about him, but he is who he is, right? Good and bad, you have to understand that. Pre-snap does not recognize that it's a cover zero. It's so insane to me that this is an eight-year guy, right? Eight years. Pre-snap, you've been in this offense five years. Everybody is basically doing things like this. And in Kyle Shanahan's offense, the play call has the answer in it. You have to be able to diagnose what's coming. And right underneath is Jeff Wilson running for a play that he's hit Jeff Wilson on to win a game in 2019 against Arizona. The play was just flipped the other way. It's a choice right out of the backfield, which is your safety net on a cover zero blitz. 
So when you say play calling, people just like to like throw out buzzwords. Well, the play calling's bad. Okay, what was wrong with this play call other than the fact that the quarterback, mind-numbing throw interception right there that literally swung the game the other way, but the answer was right there in front of you. The pre-snap diagnosis was not there, Steph, on this one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, you can't call it a bad play when there's a player wide open for a touchdown. Um, but, you know, I, I think what happened is obviously there wasn't time for Garoppolo to find Jeff Wilson Jr., but still the point stands. It was a fine play call. He needed to just take a sack or throw it the hell away. I don't know what he was doing out there, just doing his regular uh, Jimmy shenanigans. Feels great, baby. It was a perfect opportunity. They were gifted, gifted a red zone trip right there. At least get at least get three points because they were they got into a quick like third down situation on that drive, which I was not pleased with either. But at least, uh, you know. Try to live another down, right? Uh, take the sack, take the field throw goal. it away. And take, he the, never, take the field goal. <laughs> he never throws it away. That's yeah. that's my gripe with Jimmy Garoppolo. At this point, nine-year vet, I don't think we see that ever change with him. And it's just unfortunate. And so the 49ers came away with zero points. And that was before halftime. We're potentially talking about a completely different second half had – that been a score, right? I mean, it's crazy to think, but yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs were doing everything they can to let the 49ers back in this game. Like, they were trying their best. Trust me. Sky Moore, <laughs> Sky Moore is the reason that there were the two turnovers. The ball bounced off his hand, and Talano Hufanga brought it in. He muffed the punt. And yeah, and then to take the sequence a little bit further from there, the Chiefs go right down, and they get right into field goal range, and they miss a field goal. So that game was still 14-13 to 13 at half. Okay, allow me to elaborate a little bit more from there. This is where you can, like, you're going into the second half. Usually in the movies, there's a coach and he gives a speech. We got to get out there and we got to hit him, whatever it is, right? Like, you rile the troops up, you do, you make your adjustments, right? You calm everybody down, you would think, right? Okay, kickoff, large kickoff return from Isaiah Pacheco ends up in a long return, 48 yards. And Juwan Jennings, I don't know what you're doing. Pushes him out, gives him 15 more, two plays later, the Kansas City Chiefs score. A microcosm of why this team is so undisciplined and how this game went. It is insane that this team can continue to find new ways to penalize themselves, new ways to extend drives and give gift yards. It's mind-numbing all of these penalties. And at this point, I am not in the, the fire Kyle Shanahan breed. Don't, do not push me there. I'm not there. I am not there. I'm not going to be there for a while, by the way. We could have a whole other podcast as to why that shouldn't happen. But this has to go to the head coach as well. When everything's going right, the head, co head coach gets all the praise. Well, you know what? You've got to find a way to get these guys disciplined. Somebody has to get up there and ask questions. How are you going to get these guys disciplined? What have you been working on? What do you see? It can't just be some generic answer about, well, we got to execute and, you know, uh, you know, uh, guys are in the right spot. And uh, you just keep holding people accountable. You keep coaching and people got to focus and keep working to get better. I mean, it's there's no magical answer. It can't be anything like that. It has like you. Are you going to do something completely different? Because as of right now, it's not working, and it's week seven. And fans, I don't think, necessarily had this game circled. 
And this wasn't necessarily a must win, but this was a litmus test for a team that a lot of people consider, including us, a Super Bowl contending team and a roster. It's clear that at week seven, the San Francisco 49ers are not in that discussion right now, as you saw the Kansas City Chiefs absolutely boat race them. But these little things right now go to show you where this team is. Doesn't mean that's where they will be in week 18. Doesn't mean that this isn't fixable, but you can, I understand every single fan's frustration watching this team play football just because they are so undisciplined. They are shooting themselves in the foot and the offense, which is where we're going to go now, Steph, you can take field goals against Kansas City Chiefs. You can, you have to score touchdowns. Jay, you know what they should have done at halftime? What's that? Jim Harbaugh was in the building. They should have just had him give that halftime speech. Did, it, did anybody <laughs> ask if Harbaugh spoke to them? Because I think in my Niners Nation prediction, I wrote that I think Harbaugh is going to speak to them. There's going to be a vibe in the building. Like, silly me. I thought the 49ers had a chance to win this game based on all their reinforcements and the and the shot in the arm and the vibes around the building. But no, no. But yeah, Jim Harbaugh might have been nice. He would have ran in there, said some, some generic stuff and finished it, you know, with uh, that who's got it better than us. Maybe. I don't know. He could have he could have hit like Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, shoulder pads a few times, you know, get him pumped up. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jay. I mean, the mistakes are the same mistakes that we see with this team, and we're pretty much it's frustrating because this is we're pretty much looking at the same season of the 2021 season, right? Like these are the same mistakes, the same type of games that we saw them lose where they're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, they're beating teams that they probably should be beating or they're losing to teams that they should be beating. The Chiefs, like you said, it's not a sin to lose to the Chiefs. I would have been okay if they lost to the Chiefs, but not in this way. And certainly coming off the loss to the Falcons just make it all the more uh, worse in, in this scenario. And yeah, the offense, like you have to be able to score points. And I just kept thinking that, you know, in the first half when they were generating these drives, they would get into the red zone and still somehow happy to go with the field goals. Come on. We all knew, I mean, you were probably thinking the same thing, right? You know, you can't win with just field goals. You against any other team, Maybe if your defense is playing elite, maybe, but when both of those things are not the case, you, you have to be able to punch it in. And that's the inconsistency that we see with this offense, not being able to do it, um, you know, as often as they should. And that's what separates the really good teams like the chiefs and the bills and the Eagles from teams like the Niners right now. The Niners right now are a middle-of-the-road offense, and that's hard to say because they have so much talent on offense. And just like Brandon Ayuk said, we have too many guys that can change the game to only score 23 points. So at this point, they're acknowledging they know there's an issue, there's something wrong here. And how, like you said, it all comes back to the coaching. And so, yes, I think – we're definitely at a point where we need to start pointing some fingers at Kyle Shanahan. And like you said, that doesn't mean that we want him fired. I think there's, there's a line that I think most of us, some of us are not ready to cross. We're not there yet. Okay. Um, but still, I think it's fair to 
you know, question what is Kyle Shanahan doing? Because we continue to see the same mistakes being made. And like you said, them being undisciplined, all the penalties, the drops too. Because um, you can blame the player. If it's one individual player and he continues to drop, it might just be the player. But if it's an on and off issue for all of the receivers, that might be like a practicing issue, which is a coaching issue. Everything goes back to the coaching. And when you have reoccurring issues like this, it all goes back to that. And I think that's why it's fair to question. And we'll see if we get an answer and things start to turn around, you know, hopefully as soon as this upcoming week. Well, it would have to be. And I think that this bye week is at the perfect opportunity right here after this this Rams game. I mean, not only does this team need to figure out their identity and some semblance of consistency, they need to get guys healthy and they need to get guys healthy all the way. You know, Mooney Ward was in and out of this game. Dre Greenlaw, who is now day to day with a calf injury. Debo Samuel is now day to day with a hamstring injury. You know, Christian McCaffrey is going to be ramped up. Who have an entire week with the game plan. I mean, he was very dynamic for the little plays that he had. And I think that's a little bit of a glimpse of it as well, too. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of this still is the same sort of thing that the 49ers went away from with Trey Lance. What I mean is they wanted to get away from this style of offense and turn it over to Trey Lance. And I think people are underestimating the fact that you spent an entire offseason in training camp changing your offense for Trey Lance. And now after the injury, you've got to kind of go back. And I think people are just saying, well, they know the offense. They can go back. Uh, I don't know if it's easy as all that, especially if there's newer guys, right? Like Aaron Banks has not played in this type of offense. Spencer Burford's in and out, right? Like Jake Brendel's never done any of this, right? So like for these guys who are learning a little bit more what to do here, sure, you've got guys that are experienced, but I think people are underestimating the fact that this offense was supposed to largely look completely different with Trey Lance, and now you have to revert back to it and I don't think it's as easy as just riding a bike as uh, as so eloquently that Jimmy Garoppolo put it after the Seattle game. So, yeah, the offense is going to continue to be that. And this is the NFL. Your defense is going to have games where they're not they're not holding people down. You cannot expect your defense in this league to continuously help you out. There's got to be games where the offense has to pick it up. They do. And that's the problem is. That was Brandon Ayuk's frustration. I think George Kittle voiced something that was really, really impactful as well, too, in the press conference. He's so happy-go-lucky and everything. He seemed to be saying the same sort of things. It's like, it's me, it's Debo, it's it's McCaffrey, it's Jeff Wilson, it's Jawan. We've got guys, and it just seems that they couldn't get the ball in our hands at that time. Now, I am not going to give you my opinion on that. I will let that lay because that feels abstract, and that could be directed at many people. But, yeah, the frustration is building right at this point and this is two straight weeks of Kittle being here like this and saying that right like Kittle said something about effort across the board last week two straight weeks so these are the questions that are here and they're valid they're valid criticisms they're valid questions like Co coach Shanahan is not above reproach and he's not above criticism that doesn't mean yell fire Kyle Shanahan though like like that's the difference right you have to be able to say he needs to take some of this all the best coaches including the guy that was across from him Andy Reid he won his Super Bowl, but people forget that he was largely known as the guy who either one, couldn't finish, or two, was horrible with time management, right? But see how quickly those go away when you win a Super Bowl and everybody forgets. Also kind of helps to have 15 back there when he's able to make things happen. So, yeah, look, there is no one person to point at. There is no one thing to point at. All three facets this game stunk. Coaching, special teams, 
special teams is what it was last year. Like I I I don't see the difference. Is is Hightower still here? What's the point of all of this if there's still all of these issues and everything as well too? Like you got guys jumping off sides, you got guys who are letting Isaiah Pacheco get down the field. Like there hasn't been anything from Ray Ray McLeod in the in the punt game aside from that one punt in in Atlanta. Like everything right now feels like this. And I don't blame 49er fans for saying, well, they dug themselves out of it last year. I don't blame you for thinking that. It's a good way to look at it. And if that helps you, you know, take some solace, cool. But this is a new year. And you can't just keep expecting to say, ah, we're three and five. Look what they did last year. They'll go ahead and do it again. Circumstances change. Maybe there's a little bit of the defenses adjusting to what Jimmy Garoppolo does. And it's it's not going to say that it's simple to defend him, but the book is out. Let's just say the book is out. And without the lack of explosive plays right now, with when they needed explosive plays last year, they went to Debo Samuel in the backfield and it jump-started the offense, right? And it got everything going right there, like when they were three and five. Now, you've got to kind of hope that Christian McCaffrey is that now, like to jump-start this offense, because everybody knows what happens when Debo's in the backfield. So the offense... We're here. It is week seven, and we are largely talking about the same things again. I do believe in my heart the defense is going to get it together, especially when they get healthy. They're going to get guys back. This bye week is coming at the right time. I do think that the defense is going to shape up. This was a one-off, but this was the one-off where the offense was supposed to help them out a little bit more. You score more touchdowns. You put more pressure on them. You have the crowd into it. When the game was 28-23, it was right there for them. They got to a third and 15, and Mahomes just chucked a bomb as Marcus Valdez-Scantling ran right by Mooney Ward for a long pass. Those are the things that bad teams do to lose games. Right now, the 49ers, I can't really say, are a good team right now in Week 7 with the way that they played, unfortunately. Just absolutely unserious. And, you know, what you said kind of reminded me of an Albert Einstein quote, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The 49ers team is trying to get that same energy that they got in the 2021 season where they started off really slow, playing very, very poorly. A lot of the same things we're seeing right now. And I'm sure in their minds as well, it's probably not just the fans and their minds are like, hey, we've done this before. We can do it again. But something drastic has to change in order for that to happen. And I think, yes, we've talked about the coaching, but I think it also comes down to the players, you know, looking themselves in the mirror and also, you know, reevaluating some things because they have some things to clean up as well as far as execution goes. And yes, that does go back to coaching, but players have a hand in it as well. And so, I mean, I I don't really know, but the 49ers have to win this game against the Rams historically these last few years, right? Like that's been their get right game. And so once again, they get it at a perfect time coming off these two horrible losses. So they have to win this one, but I'm still a little, I guess, worried going into this one. You can't just expect that because you've beaten the Rams this many times out of this many times that you're going to just automatically win, especially if Debo Samuel, who is kind of the Rams killer, is not going to be available potentially. You know, you you mentioned he's day-to-day with his hamstring injury. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, of course, can add an element, and he played the Rams a couple weeks ago as well and looked good doing it. So 
hopefully with another week of the playbook under his belt, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan can figure out some ways to utilize him and, and put the offense in some, you know, favorable spots. But still, I'm not assuming anything going into that game. It, it still feels very shaky. And I have never quite seen another team where we're like waiting for the bye week. We're like excited for the bye week, Jay. Like what? Because <laughs> injuries every every year, and we're like, we need this bye week. Every year, it's the same thing, and it's just it's sad. It's sad, really. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan is two and three coming out of a bye week. Uh, last season, they lost against the Colts. That was after, I believe they won the game before the bye week. And so we were thinking, okay, perfect. This is good. And then they ended up losing after the bye week. Again, the bye week, we feel like is some cure to everything and all the problems, which isn't always the case. So going back to my point that like something drastic needs to happen. You can't just continue like putting all of your hope into you know, bye weeks and, and we're playing the Rams and we're eventually going to figure it out because we've done it before. Right. So I don't know what the answer is, Jay, but <laughs> I hope Kyle Shanahan does because mm-hmm. he's the one running the show. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah, and it's isn't it funny that four and four, if the 49ers end up four and four going into the bye, that feels like a huge win. And I do, in my heart, believe that they will figure this out because they have too much talent. If this season goes down the tubes and they don't make the playoffs or anything like that, there have to be some very hard questions asked. There have to have there has to be some very tough discussions that need to be had because this team is far too talented to allow this to happen. And the bye week for me. I don't really look at it as a way for them to reset offensively. I just need guys to get back healthy. Like if you're able to get Jason Verrett back after this time and you can get everybody rolling into the stretch, you'll get Elijah Mitchell back who can help spell Christian McCaffrey. You'll get Aziz Alshair back hopefully at a certain time. You'll get all your guys healthy, ready to go down the stretch and try to stay as healthy as possible. But it's funny how quickly things change. And now four and four seems like a win for this team, right? It seems like a win. I do believe they'll figure it out. I do. But at this point, it is fair for anybody to just say, well, you know, just because they did it last year doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen this year. And, of course, here come the Rams. And I'm glad that you brought up Christian McCaffrey. Last time that he played them, it was two weeks ago, 158 total yards. He literally was the focal point of that offense. Like, uh, Guy Haberman was the one who who pointed this out on his podcast, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to steal Guy's thought. They were kind of showcasing him there. And we found out that the Rams were kind of driving up the price to drive up the price for the 49ers. But they, he was being showcased right there for the Rams. Like, here's your guy. Look at what he can do. He can still do it. And the 49ers saw the same thing. So the Panthers found a perfect storm, as Guy said, of like two two contributing people that, that you know, teams that were going to bid against each other. One other stat that I wanted to point out because it just jogged my memory and Guy Haberman pointed this one out. Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown the ball away one time. He has thrown the ball away the same amount of times as Trey Lance, and Trey Lance hasn't played since week two. Wrap that one around your head, because I can't. He doesn't throw the ball away, ever. And that's not going to change, Jay. It's not going to change. <laughs> that that's the, that's the thing with Jimmy. It's like he is who he is, and he'll have some really good stretches where he gaslights us. 
he gaslights us, Jay. It, it's a toxic relationship that we have with the 49ers. They make us think that they're really onto something. They've changed. And then they have some like poor performances. And, you know, going back to all the good vibes that they had going into this game, they really tried, right? Like they really tried to get the good vibes going. They, you know, the trade for Christian McCaffrey and then bringing Harbaugh in, you know, celebrating the 2012 team. That's all fine and dandy, but if you're going to have some good vibes, you better freaking win the game. Good vibes right. alone aren't going to help you. You need to actually execute. This was a weekend. This was a weekend stuff of pure PTSD for 49ers fans. Let me explain. 2012 Super Bowl lost to the Ravens. You're doing that team. Chiefs roll in, 2019 Super Bowl is flashing across your face. And then the third act of PTSD is this is the same song and dance that we saw last year. 49er fans went through it all this week. This week has been a roller coaster from straight up dread to straight up optimism to right back where we were a, a few weeks ago discussing these things. So, yeah, this was a, a weekend where, you know, they tried it. E, a for effort, E for effort, whatever it is that you guys want to use. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the vibes weren't exactly immaculate. And and that's my fault for banking on that. Like, I mean, there's got to be some magic in the building. Fortunately, 10-point leads, two Super Bowl teams that never won it in the same building. Hey, Steph, we, we don't have to – talk about this anymore let's turn the page let's talk about the rams a little bit right you know yeah so let's turn the page here (laughs) now the los angeles rams are similarly trying to find their way now at this point right and they have many things going against them right the offensive line is very banged up joe joe no boom is out for the season dave you know andrew whitworth retiring was much bigger of a loss than they believed Allen Robinson hasn't exactly come in and lit up the world for them. They have no semblance of a running game. I mean, they're having a problem trying to move Cam Akers as well. Matthew Stafford doesn't look quite right. So the Los Angeles Rams are in this funny spot, just like the San Francisco 49ers. Difference is the Los Angeles Rams are coming off of a Super Bowl, and the 49ers are trying to get the Super Bowl. So they have at least bought themselves a little bit of time, you know, when it comes to figuring that out. You know, we can make fun of them all we want for owning them in the, in the regular season. They won the one that mattered. Right. And, and and that right now, you know, while their fans are struggling to figure out what they are, they just had a bye week, which I'm sure they're excited about. Uh, they are in a position of, well, you know what, they're figuring it out right now, but they didn't just barely get there. They won the whole thing. Steph, do you believe that this team is equipped to get right in this game and, you know, at least go into the back the bye with some good vibes and a win? Are they capable? Yes. They're capable, to me, they're capable of beating a lot of teams, most teams, right? They're capable of a lot of things. But the question is, will they actually do it? What 49ers team are we going to see on Sunday? That is the question, and that is what's going to decide whether this is a win or a loss. I know that sounds very obvious, but it's like that that's just what the team gives us. You don't know what team is going to show up on game day. And the concern for me are the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we talked about Mooney Ward. He didn't look 100% against the Chiefs, and um, that was hard to see, right? Because with Emmanuel Mosley already not out there, you need someone like Ward to at least hold down the secondary. And, yes, there's Hufunga and there's Tashawn Gibson, uh, and and they could do fine, but with Cooper Cup coming to town, 
everyone in the secondary has to be on their game because we know as good as anyone how big he can help the Rams offense. Like he can be a huge contributor for them. And even when they are looking bad, they are just one Cooper cup, big play away from, you know, winning a game or tying a game going up, you know, all these things. So that's my concern. Um, But we've been saying it right. That if the defense is not elite, the offense has to be able to score points. And that's what it all comes down to. Christian McCaffrey with his second week now with the team, or I guess week and a half, um, should provide a boost. But again, they need to be able to finish, not just have a, a nice 10 play drive. Those are all fine and well, but like if you're not getting seven points at the end, it's kind of a, a waste really especially if your defense is not going to be on their A game, which right now let's just assume that they won't be. Kyle Shanahan needs to assume that they won't be. I know that's hard for him to to deal with. And my issue is when the defense is not perfect, they get the blame. How often do we see this offense not being perfect, Jay? How often? It feels like all the time, right? So at some point – the offense needs to help out the defense and they need to figure that out this week because I don't know if we can depend on the defense right now. I I truly don't. Hopefully Eric Armstead will be out there. That'll help. Hopefully Jason Verrett will be out there. That might help. I mean, I say might because we were talking about the fact that players coming back from injuries, that first game is not always, Great. You know, you got to shake the rust off a little bit. So those are some reinforcements. But again, you can't assume that this defense is going to be able to give you the same kind of comfort that they gave you the first few weeks. So offense needs to step up. They know they need to do it now. They know they need to do it. They've acknowledged in in the postgame pressers. Now do it. You know, that's what they need to do. So Yes, they're capable of winning, but it all depends on what team, uh, you know, we see on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And with Eric Armstead, I've kind of put it out of my mind, or at least have kind of tried to put it in 49ers fans' minds, that if you get anything from Eric Armstead at this point, it's almost found money because these Liz Frank injuries, you, you know, they, they're hard. He's a huge man. That is not something that – that's going to be something he's dealing with all year. That's not something you bounce back from, you know, so – if he needs to take this game off and take the bye week off, and if that'll help him in any way be good for the stretch run and they'll have to manage that, I would do that as opposed to try to get him back out there. You know, I do agree. I think Nick Bosa wasn't um, himself. I think Trent wasn't himself. I think Mike wasn't himself, even though, again, like you said, whenever Mike – and Mike has a thankless job because when when he has a good game, nobody ever says anything. But as soon as he starts missing blocks – everybody's on him, man. Like I even saw 49er fans with a wild petition that I'm not going to repeat on here that maybe we'll talk about after, you know, about Mike McGlinchey. And it's just, it's always magnified with Mike because it seems like his, his pass blocking opportunities when they're, when they're missed are big opportunities. Right. 
Mooney Ward wasn't exactly healthy, but that's why this bye week is there. Hopefully another week of them, you know, getting into practice and and, and working themselves back in. And I do think you're right. I do think that this game plan will be centered a little bit more around Christian McCaffrey and how they're just going to be able to get him the ball in space. Like everything that this offense is right now is not down the field. Everything is those screen passes where everybody goes and runs and blocks or, you know, play action a little bit more, but they have to run the ball a little bit better to make that a little bit more effective. Right now, I think that Christian McCaffrey can be what Debo Samuel was to this offense last year when they needed that quick uh, burst because they have been missing explosive plays ever since Raheem Mostert left. And I think they're still looking for that aspect of it, a home run hitter, a guy who can really, really have explosive plays that don't require the ball to get thrown down the field. As we know, that's not a strength of Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, I do think that the 49ers can get right in this game. Styles make fights, and the 49ers have the things that can slow down the Rams' offense. But I don't think that it's going to be the defense that needs to carry the weight. It's going to come right back to the offense. Steph, what an amazing first episode. 40 minutes in. I'm I'm so happy to be doing this with you. You're a great friend of mine. You are an even better podcaster, a, a better um, analyst of this team. Tell everybody where to follow you on, on Twitter and on Instagram. All right, you guys can find me at Steph49K. That's with a PH, not an F. Uh, and if you guys like Nick Bosa impressions, find me on TikTok at Stragosaurus, S T R A G O Saurus. Jay, this has been awesome, man. I'm excited for I'm so happy. this pod. We got to find a name. Uh, so if you guys have name ideas, shoot it at us. Yeah, make sure you guys send in your your requests. Anything we're we're open minded. I mean, we have a few. I mean, Steph came up with a few. I didn't really come up with any. I'll tell you. I didn't. Really, you know, Rob's gonna kill me. I didn't do the the homework. I, I I didn't do the take home assignment. But yeah, if you guys have names, throw send them to us on Twitter. You know, and the best way that you want to get your stuff read is leave that five star review on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Subscribe to that wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure you follow me at Jason Aponte two one zero three. Make sure that you subscribe to Niners Nation Podcast wherever you get your podcast. For Jason and for Steph, we're out of here. Peace.